This episode of the Policy Viz podcast is brought to you by the Maryland Institute College of Art. MICA's online graduate program in information visualization trains designers and analysts to translate data into compelling visual narratives. Join expert faculty such as Andy Kirk, Marissa Peacock, and John Schwabish to mine the data and design the story. For more information, go to mica.edu backslash MPS invis. Welcome back to the Policy Viz Podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. This is the final episode of 2015. I hope everyone's having a great winter and holiday season. I'm very excited for uh, guests on this last episode, Georgia Lupi and Stephanie Posovic, authors of the now famous Dear Data Project. Georgia, Stephanie, welcome back to the show. Hi. Thank you, John. Um, Thank thanks you. for coming back. You guys, we had you on a second, very second episode and now closing out the year as your uh, project closes out and the year closes out. So for those of you who don't know, Dear Data, 52 hand-drawn postcards shipped across the Atlantic. Uh, Georgia and Stephanie sharing personal data, personal information as they collected it in a hand-drawn, uh, very specific, um, very uh, personal things about their lives and about their experiences. Um, lots of uh, great coverage about the project, uh, blog posts and websites and interviews. And so today what I'm hoping we can do is talk a little bit more broadly about how the project uh, changed uh, your experience, your process, um, and how you look at maybe the world and maybe you look at the field of data visualization. So I want to start by asking you how this project uh, maybe changed your approach to other projects that you're working on. I, I can just like get started. Yeah. And yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, you know, it's hard to tell because, uh, I mean, we were already both sketching with data before uh, and sketching has always been a part of our process um, on working with data. Uh, and I say just to introduce that we embarked in this year-long analog effort because we already have this similar analog and analog approach to data visualization, as we always tell. But uh, I guess I like personally experimenting with so many visuals like once a week. It um, it boosted my creativity, even if I hate the word creativity, but I don't really have a better one right now. <laughs> you know, but you got what I mean, like you know. Yeah. And 52 projects, like mini projects over a year, makes you um, confident that you can pull off ideas and make them concrete and tangible very quickly, which is, is, is a very amazing benefit of doing a sort of like side project and personal project when you don't really have um, clients uh, looking over your shoulder. Right. Uh, but Stephanie, uh, we can just like <laughs> talk about um, Yeah, um, I think uh, it changed my process in that having to do something weekly um, that was of, I mean, it's quite a lot of work to do every week. And yeah. so you just had to um, kind of put your head down and gather the data and look for patterns and, you know, look for like an interesting way of framing and presenting that data and drawing that data so quickly that I have found that it has sped up my process, my working process much oh. more. Um, and then also I think um, I yeah would often draw at the beginning of a data, like a data visualization process, but um, it has influenced my art practice in that I've started to create responses to new commissions that are hand-drawn using data off the back of Dear Data. So this is something I was always afraid of before. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've also been teaching this autumn a lot of data drawing workshops uh, to get people um, interested 
or, you know, learning about data visualizations for this very um, kind of handmade analog yeah. um, lo-fi approach to understanding, you know, how you how you visualize data. So um, it's definitely influenced um, a lot of different facets of my professional career. Right. I think a lot of people jump into data visualization with, you know, finding some tool, finding some computer program to start making things and to sort of have them step back, to teach them to step back and say, you can make data visualization by using crayons is, I think, helpful, right? Yeah, also, I mean, I mean, my profession, my day job is a little different from Stephanie's because, you know, with Accurate, we uh, right now, we most of the time, of course, we have to work digitally. But I always like also to talk to my clients about the Dear Data effort because I like to say that Really, by removing the technology from the equation and by really hand drawing your data, we've been spending time with our data and with our data, and we were forced to extend, uh, you know, ourselves as designers and to come up with visuals that were really, really customized to the data set that we were analyzing. And you know, also when you when you think about big data, it's all about making it uh, meaningful, contextual, smarter and smaller and understandable. And so for sure, data is not only a matter of technology. And this project, uh, I guess it really taught me and taught us to uh, to look at data through this angle. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's mostly a matter of how every time we collect, we process, and we relate with information. And it's also a matter of how we design the ways uh, to look at data. So mm-hmm. this, this year-long, uh, very, very analog and laborious effort I guess it, it, it reminded this concepts very vividly to us, to me mm-hmm. at least. And when you talk about the actual working with the data, do you find that you're, that you're more careful with data now? You know, sort of out in, your, in, in other projects you work on, are you more careful with data, less careful with data? Do you think maybe a little bit more about the people who are providing us with all the data that we see all the time? Does that, is that now sort of more part of your process and your thought process as you work with data? Um, I think I think for me, um, generally, it I mean, it has given me an insight into this this other side of data visualization because the way that I work normally is I work with a researcher, I work with someone who is finding all of that data, and then I always work on the design side. So it has given me an insight into that. But I think I'm probably less careful with data in that <laughs> I well because it's personal data, yeah, and yeah. so like I am just uh, testing things out. Like, I know I'm not going to break the data. I know, like, it's not actually critical data. So um, I feel like it's a really good space to learn and to um, figure out how to do things because I know that it isn't critical. So I found it a space for learning, and that's actually been really useful. So it's a place for me to make mistakes without, you know, while knowing that my mistakes actually won't hurt anyone. So that's how I found it useful. Huh. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, well, when, another thing that I'd like to say is I I feel like a lot of people think that Dear Data changed our whole perception and approach to our work. Mm-hmm. And I mean, don't get me wrong, it has been an exciting and very, very helpful, as we are just like saying, year-long year research lab in a way. Yeah. But I'd like to add that we cooked up Dear, and made Dear Data exactly because we were already valuing the process of collecting, cleaning, processing, and publishing data, mm-hmm. I think. 
Um, what I'd say to your question is we learned that spending time with your data and having to count and visualize data manually reinforced the idea that it, it is a necessary practice to get to know your data, to understand your data at a deeper level. And like shortcuts and easy-to-use tools to pull in data and get a simple charge in return are amazing. It's just, it's just different, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the real process of spending time with data this way. And like just like to conclude that, talking about personal data gathering, um, you know, we live in this moment where personal data apps, uh, tracking apps are proliferating. Um, we have a lot of apps that can detect and aggregate and visualize data for us. But we believe, and I believe that in specifically to personal data, to gain real meaning from these data sets, Anyone who's interested in their data should really focus and engage in like sense making of interpretation of those numbers according to their personal stories, behavior, and again spend a little time with their data without expecting that an app uh, can tell them how to interpret the data. If you know what I mean. Um, oh, and I'll just like add one final thing on here. Um, just thinking about this idea about people who collect and published data. I think that when you're going back to by hand, um, like I always sort of say that like what we were doing is very similar to like when you go to a baseball game and you score a baseball game and, and so people are gathering data on the game, but they're kind of doing it to get into the game to like, you know, you're doing it, it increases your enjoyment of the game, but you don't generally like reflect upon it later. I mean, that's, that's not really the whole mm-hmm. point of keeping score. So this is just another way yeah, like Georgia says, spending yeah. time with your data, but also like, yeah, keeping score, enjoying data gathering for data's sake, like right. for data gathering sake, which is something that like even non-data specialists do, um, you know, at baseball games, at cricket games. Um, right. and it, I, it's a good thing. So no, and that that that's a great point. And it's certainly the case. And you know, I've got my Fitbit on right now. Like, but the but the the wearables and those sorts of things. In some ways, it's sort of done. Well, it is. It's done for you, right? It, mm-hmm. it tells you how many steps. The project that that you've that you're just completed, I guess, is more about this. You know, actually having to do the the work to collect the data, which I think sets it. Which is one of the reasons why it really sets it apart from you know what it's called. But um, I think that 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 piece of it, the the actually taking the time to sit down and, and collect it yourself, sets it really apart from from the rest of this um, movement. Oh, I would just say it's that it's that joy of keeping score, yeah. uh, that joy of collecting, which you know people collect so many different things. They collect stamps, they collect coins, they bird watch, and this is just another type of collecting, yeah. really. Yeah, and also it's more it's more really towards your story and towards what you want to know about your data because, like, as as we've been doing for fifty two weeks, every week we we would have a main question that is the topic of the week and the angle that we wanted to address the question, but then. What, what we did that no apps can do is every time we added contextual details. And so, for example, if the topic is my complaints, is not only what I complain about, but is everything that is around that. So what was the situation? Was it really needed? Who I was complaining to? And what was the reaction of the other person? So all of this kind of data that you can only, only track if you are active. Yeah. Um, and really active in finding out what you want to know about yourself by how you set up the questions. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really that's that's really interesting. So so then so let me let me take that let me take that point a little bit further. So a lot of the things that you've put into these cards and posted online, they're 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 all very personal uh, pieces of information. How many times you swear? How many times you smile? How many times you laugh? Um, have you uh, have you found that that has changed 
um, your approach to honesty, how you approach both personally and professionally, how you interact with people, how you interact with, with colleagues. So how is that, how has the project, I guess, changed your interaction with other people, especially when it comes to being more or maybe less mm-hmm. honest with people? I guess we both agree that it did change our, 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 you know, our idea of honesty. And, you know, we realized how being honest uh, in general help, you know, helps make real connection with people because mm-hmm. we all are human beings. We, we have flaws, habits, negative feelings, strange routines. But this is how a whole person look like, looks like. And, you know, also... Um, Honestly, starting to share those vulnerable side of yours in this sort of objective and quantitative way from from one hand helps not being afraid of doing it. And also like from the other hand, it's really is what people like the most that was resonate with people. And that's what, um, you know, it makes you human and vulnerable, but but not not nece- it's not necessarily a negative thing. So I re- we really believe that it's a positive thing to make real connection to people that just, you know, it click it click. With, with everyone, because sure. we, everyone are like that. Yeah. Um, and I guess I think, I don't know, I think it, what it just um, reminded me is um, like why people find data visualizations compelling and, and why they're drawn to them. And it is because, I mean, if is because they have this semblance of honesty and truth. I mean, like that is the ultimate goal, yeah. isn't it? And um, I think that that's just, yeah, people like honesty and truth is why people are interested in the field we work in in the first place. And but that's should, it, but yeah. that honesty and truth, it's like one thing when you are, you know, whatever, you're looking at global warming. It's another thing when you are publishing your own experience for the world to, to view, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think one thing that I've realized, uh, well... I mean, of course, we all know, but, um, you know, that a data set is never, never really objective because I would be very honest in the data that I personally collected. You know, like, for example, like data on physical contact with my husband. I, I was very honest in, like, what I collected. And so, like, for me personally, for, like, my personal insights about a week or about my life, like, I was very honest. I made sure I was very honest and open. Mm-hmm. But... That's not to say that I was very as explicit in how I categorize those honest moments sure. on a postcard. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I it did make me more honest. And I think Georgia knows more about me and my life for the last year than a lot of my friends in London know. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that I um, I was honest in my data collecting for myself. But you know, it's it's all about how you categorize it. Like, you know, you, you don't want to give. Too much. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, okay. So, um, so I want to talk. So I want to turn a little bit and talk about. So we talked about honesty. I want to talk about curiosity a little bit. I mean, clearly, one of the things that I think drew people to the project was was this visual expression of curiosity. And I'm curious whether you feel that the field of data visualization is. You know, does it have enough curiosity? Does it need to have more curiosity? What about the other fields that are sort of related to data visualization, like open data and big data? Just sort of thinking more broadly about the field itself, where do you sort of think the field is? Are we, is the field too 
much in the software and not enough into the analog world, not thinking hard enough about the data, not being curious enough and thinking about different ways to present data as opposed to just, you know, let's stop arguing about whether a pie chart is a good chart type. But, you know, where is the field headed and is it is it, you know, curious enough and honest enough? That's an interesting question. <laughs> I mean, just like just to uh, um, narrow it down a little bit, I'm curious about what you exactly mean with curiosity. Like, do you mean explorations of new way to present data, or do you also generally mean uh, something around the popular, the, mo- the increasingly more popular interest outside the design data world to the data world? Just just to frame the question. Yeah, just to frame a little bit. So yeah. I guess. So I don't really know. <laughs> I mean, so I, I think this project, the Dear Data project, is unique in lots of different ways. And, and one of the ways that it's, you know, the ways that it's unique is the things that we've been talking about. That's your personal data. It's presented in an analog way. And that, I think, is a sense of curiosity in, in your personal experiences that is unique in what people are, are often presenting in the field of data visualization. So... And the work that both of you do, I think, is is one of the reasons why the project is, is so great, because the stuff that Accurate does is sort of, you know, very exploratory uh, visualizations. And the, and the art that Stephanie does is, you know, on, on sort of a different end of the a different end of the spectrum of the field. So I guess my question is really on maybe the question is really on are people getting hung up a little bit too much on arguing about, you know, the standard visualization types and not thinking more broadly about different visualization types, different data types, um, collecting different data types, or maybe the field is doing a great job of that. I, I, I'm just curious on your on your perspective on sort of the state of the field as we close out 2015. So maybe it's more just like best hits of 2015 sort of thing. Um, oh, well, I mean, I, I think just responding to your idea of whether people are, are arguing about like, what's the right chart? I mean, like, Obviously, like, this is really important for, um, you know, it's important to do things properly and to do things well. But I do feel that um, being so black and white about what's right and wrong can in many ways um, hinder creativity because it makes people afraid to experiment and to be imperfect and to make, like, mistakes and um, to explore and to move further. So, um I think, yeah, there is this thing that I have realized is that like imperfection is a sign of extending the edges of a field. And so it's like with our year long project, we've made a lot of mistakes and we know that not all of the ways we presented the data are probably the best ways. But I, you know, and maybe our data sets that we gathered weren't as perfect as they could have been because we were gathering laughter or something incredibly mm-hmm. difficult to gather but we're still kind of moving the edges of our space a little bit further out even if it's not right it's we're getting nearer and nearer to to making something that's new and different and quote right so yeah. i think like imperfection is just a sign of exploration and so like there needs to be kind of an embrace of that instead of always arguing about this very black and white um, sort of way of doing things. Yeah, I guess I really I really agree with Stephanie. I also think that there is room and space for everyone. And uh, I, I hate to answer to... I hate to answer with it depends, but I guess it does depend <laughs> on mm. the goal, the scope at hand, the kind of data that you're working with. And yeah, the scope of the project you're working with every time. And... Uh, but I think that what we uh, just like 
taking it a little back to why we've been doing Dear Data, we we really think that despite you know the number of tools available that can help practically everybody visualizing their data and despite the growing number of people in the field, uh, it is still a very exciting time for being a data visualization designer because exactly because projects and opportunity get more and more complex and challenging and because of the field of data visualization is growing, uh, we really, I guess that we have the... Um, uh, we need to find new, to still find new languages. We need to still explore, also through these very radical, radical projects, how to convey those knowledge and to inspire feelings at the same time with data, also being, you know, um, faithful to scientific accuracy, but at the same time allowing space for uh, exceptions and for experiments like this one that, as Stephanie was saying, can help just like pushing for pushing uh, forward, um, you know, a little bit what can be done with visualization. And just to conclude, we have been forced uh, over a year to find fifty-two new visual languages. That mm. that was also our idea, like having to do a new visual with data every every week. And of course, you want you didn't want to repeat yourself, as though every postcard wanted to be a little different from the postcard that you've been doing before, because you wanted to form a very um, various collection of fifty-two postcards. And that was exactly what helped us really finding new languages. And maybe some of those are strange data visualization that. Have been hand drawn can become something that can be I don't know a new way for visualizing a specific thing. Right. So I don't know if we answered your question. But no, I, I know I think so. I, I guess I would I would also sort of extend the question to ask whether you feel the feel that the discussion in the field is a little too curt, um, where people you know it's a lot of comments on Twitter that you know it's only so many characters with an image that says this thing is terrible, but then there's no sort of elaboration on that. And, and whether you think there's a place or there are ways in which people could improve the conversation. I think from my perspective over the last year or two, I've seen a real shift in the conversation. It's trying, I think in general to be a bit more constructive, mm -hmm. um, but I'm curious. I mean, like Stephanie, like you said, you know, you're putting out a lot of different types of data. You're creating, George, as you mentioned, it's creating non-standard types of visualization. So I'm wondering, do you feel that creating dear data in the way that you did with hand-drawn on postcards got you away from the, what might be the regular sort of barrage of critique because it wasn't created in like Tableau or Excel? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. De definitely. I think the first few um, postcards we were... Um, worrying uh, about what will the community say? Yeah. How will this be redesigned on Twitter? And will people <laughs> not like it? And I don't know. I think like that's just not... That is a very restrictive way of thinking, to mm -hmm. have that hanging over your head. And But it was really nice that as we kept going, we were like, this is going to just be what it is and we're learning about what makes a good data visualization and some are better than others and like I think it really we became more free as we went through the year and I mean I understand that like what we're doing is kind of is it yeah it's drawing it's probably you know it's more of an art project it definitely gave us like separated us and gave us the sandbox to experiment mm -hmm. and um, but it like yeah, at the beginning, you know, you're just there. You have this fear um, for the first few weeks where you're just like, everyone's going to talk about how bad this is. And <laughs> I mean, that's just not, yeah, it's just not a good way. It's a, it's a shame that this is how we 
yeah. uh, we feel that we tiptoe out there because we're afraid of just trying something. Right. Yeah, but I, I absolutely agree. I I find all of the conversation within our community, if you can if you can call it a community, um, interesting and exciting and everything. Uh, but I guess that what I'm or we are probably we are more most more interested in is also like uh, taking them outside and so. The idea that we had with your data, and then you know, surprisingly, it is it has been really uh, well received. Is also to try to talk about data and to speak about data to people that are not necessarily data visualization designers, uh-huh. data scientists, and data people. And that is really something that we wanted to do uh, from the beginning. So to try to find way again to make data be felt as more human and more approachable to even to people that are not expert and uh so really just to you know extend the conversation even beyond um you know our community yeah no i think that's great because i think as uh, even though lots of people sort of in the field are like oh data is great a lot of people are afraid of data and not really sure how to how to use it to so to be able to demonstrate that you don't need to have a phd in statistics to uh, write down how many smiles you had in a week is, um, I think is great. Um, I want to close up by, uh, talking about next steps. So, um, where, where are you going next with dear data? Um, well, <laughs> should, should I, should I announce the news? Yeah, go ahead. Stephanie. <laughs> it's already announced everywhere, yeah. but, um, we, um, have gotten a book deal with, uh, Penguin, Random House in the UK for their imprints, particular books, and so we'll be um, we'll we'll be making a book of the project, um, and it'll be out uh, in September 2016 in Georgia. We'll just tell you a little more about what we're doing right. in the book. <laughs> yeah, uh, but first of all, we are really the happiest to be working yeah. with a such a prestigious publisher yeah. such as Penguin, and uh, also we are very happy that uh, Dear Data is not over, so we have you know some more work to do on that. <laughs> yeah. And what we are doing with the book is... I guess it's interesting because we're not only we will not only be showcasing our postcards. We are finding way to make ways to make the book more interactive for readers to inspire them um, to to gather and draw their data. But we're not going to make a how-to kind of book or workbook because we think there are more interesting ways to get people compelled by data. So we will, you know, I'm not really revealing too much, but we will unfold our process and be very transparent about what, we, what we've been doing and, you know, narrating and drawing the many ways you can go about working with data in a handcrafted way. And, uh, you know, we'd love to make a book that makes people say, oh, wow, I want to do it, mm-hmm. um, rather than just I'm learning how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh, That's exciting. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. like generally speaking, as, as we were, uh, you know, touching upon multiple times, also with the book, we are trying to show how data is not scary and yeah. is not necessarily big, but it's, you know, present everywhere in our lives. And, you know, you don't really need to be a statistician or a data scientist to start approaching approaching data. Yeah, very good. Very exciting. Well, congratulations to you both. Um, it was a great year. Um, and so I enjoyed uh, flipping through them, and I look forward to the book coming out uh, next year, September. Great. Yes, yes. Uh, well, thanks again for coming on the show, and thanks to all the listeners. Um, thanks for listening to all the episodes this year. Um, I appreciate all the support. Uh, of course, if you have questions or comments, hit me up on Twitter or on the website. And I look forward to next year. I have a great slate of guests. 
set up to come on the show and talk about all sorts of things ranging from data visualization to text visualization to open data and big data. And we'll be talking, I'll be talking to a bunch of different authors with uh, some very exciting books coming out in the beginning part of the year. So thanks everyone again for listening. Have a great holiday season. And until next year, this has been the Policy Viz Podcast. This episode of the Policy Viz podcast is brought to you by the Maryland Institute College of Art. MICA's online graduate program in information visualization trains designers and analysts to translate data into compelling visual narratives. Join expert faculty such as Andy Kirk, Marissa Peacock, and John Schwabish to mine the data and design the story. For more information, go to mica.edu backslash MPS in Viz.